Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 21. You can also turn to Luke. chapter 17, and you should be good. I'm about to get over this cold, so i got a little bit more of a voice today. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Wednesday night, if you're not coming on Wednesday night, uh, man, I don't know what it is, but the Lord just kills us on Wednesday night with his word, uh, and uh, it's just really good, and uh I want to encourage you to do that. Also, I've got in my hand our first book out of Eastside Church. We're going to call it Out of Eastside Church, Dr. Joe's Testimony Healed, One's Couple's Journey to Healing and Beyond. Joe and Heidi uh, give their testimony in this. It's absolutely amazing. It's available on Amazon. Now you can purchase it there, or you can wait till next Sunday, and we'll have copies here as well. We'll sell them cheaper here than you can buy them on Amazon, but you can do what you want to do. Amen. Let's give the Lord applause for that. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty awesome thing. I'm going to kind of just tag on the last few weeks with the message today, and I'm just going to go ahead and read first, uh, uh, just read the verses that we're going to talk about and just kind of talk to you a little bit uh, about what the Lord's laid on my heart. Uh, we're going to get this as a church we're going to get it. We're going to get it, and we're going to be it. We're going to become it. You know, I have a lot of people uh, say, you know, including my wife, man, you really have, you really have changed uh, over the last years. And you go, well, hallelujah. You know, somebody say amen, hallelujah. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, God probably was a little more uh, empathetic than I was seven years ago. Would you agree? You know, so I had to grow. <laughs> you have to grow in the things of the Lord, right? You, you grow in the things of the Lord. You, get, you, you, you become more like him. Isn't, isn't that the Christian mission? Isn't, isn't that what to do? This is, a, this is uh, one of the reasons is, is I've had tremendous paradigm shifts. Tremendous paradigm shifts in the way that I begin to understand the call, not only of a pastor, but the call of the church. And um, it's pretty amazing. It's actually almost inverted to, to what, you know, that we've been taught all our lives oftentimes in the church. You know, uh, it starts with the idea that we, you know, we pursue the kingdom of God and it's as if we're going towards it and we, we move into it, but it's not something that we're going towards. It's something that we should be coming from. That is a paradigm shift. And I'm going to tell you why that's the case. I'm going to try to help you understand uh, what's going on in your life and what you can do about it. All of us can do about it. As believers, as people who call themselves sons and daughters of God, uh, the place that you have to come from is the kingdom. 
And to get you to understand that a little bit better, what I could do is I could explain it like this. You know, the scripture tells us, and you're probably familiar with it, that you once were dead to God, but, but you died to yourself and you were raised to newness of life. In other words, you, you made a commitment that you were going to recognize that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was Messiah, that he paid for your sins, that he died on the cross, and, and that your sins were forgiven, and that you entered into the family of God. Another paradigm shift that I've had in recent weeks, it's not necessarily so much a paradigm shift, it's just a broadening of the understanding. You know, we know that we're called sons and daughters of God. We recognize that we're in the family of God. We're called a child of God. That's very familiar to us. But the other day, or the other week, I was involved with the Unbound Ministry, uh, get some training on some prayer things and how maybe to facilitate some things around here as far as praying for people and doing things like that. And they use this terminology. You've heard me say it the last few weeks. We're going to get it. You're going to own it. Amen. It's going to be what you believe about yourself, that we were adopted into the Trinity. You really need to get a hold of the idea of being adopted into the Trinity because that is the family of God. It is not sacrilegious. You're not placing yourself in the position of God in authority over all things as the creator of all things. But in Romans, it says that you are co-heirs with Christ. If we understand in the Jewish culture what that actually meant was that the firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance. And so Christ uh, is representative of the firstborn to raise from the dead, and, and we're co-heirs with him, and, and we, we, are, uh, we are equals as far as in the, in, the, in the family of God with Christ. We're co-heirs in the inheritance portion of, of, of the Scriptures. Does that make sense? We're not God. But we have all the inheritance that God has given Jesus, that the Father gave Jesus. Make sense? So all spiritual blessings in Ephesians, in heavenly places, are yours, right? Because you are a co-heir with Christ. And here's what you need to be established on. If we're going to build and be established on a foundation, this is what you need to really begin to understand is that when Jesus died on the cross, you were healed. By his stripes, you were healed, Scripture says. It's not present tense. It wasn't the day that you acknowledged him and received him in your life that salvation actually took place. Salvation actually takes place on the day that Jesus died on the cross, and he foreknew the day that you were going to appropriate what he did on the cross. Isn't that right? You were chosen. You were predestined by God for the day that you would acknowledge him. But it happened at the cross. One time. Once and for all. That's exactly right. Once and for all is done. Now think about this. All the promises in all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, when do they occur? 
When, when did they begin to manifest in your life? Well, they actually occurred at the cross. They actually took place way back here. And you say to yourself, well, why in the world are I experiencing, you know, prosperity? And why, why am I failing? And why haven't I hurt? Why not I'm not healed? And, and why aren't all the promises of God manifesting themselves in my life? That's a great question. Why aren't they? The reason being is, is we have not appropriated them. We haven't begun to walk in them, speak them out. We haven't begun to lay hold of them like we should. Now, that's not naming and claiming. It's not naming and claiming. What it is, is it, is it is speaking the kingdom into something that you don't see kingdom in. Now, if we really want to get a hold of this, now, you got that? Let's go back to this. Let me just stop and make sure that we understand this. This is the cross. Every spiritual blessing. All your healing, everything that comes with salvation, which means freedom from death, which means freedom from the enemy's attack, which means healing in every way, soulishly being healed, financial prosperity. You say, what? Well, listen, I heard one preacher say one time, and I loved it. He said, it, you know, he said, you believe in the prosperity gospel, and he says, opposed to the poverty gospel? Look at anything in Scripture where the hand of God was on a group of people where they were being obedient to the will and the ways of God that, that they didn't prosper. God says, if you'll apply kingdom principles to every aspect of your life, you'll prosper in everything you do. It says about you that the way you make yourself prosperous is by being obedient to every thing God says. When you are obedient to the things and the ways of the kingdom, when you begin to apply them in your life, that application makes you prosperous. Now, what if you don't see it immediately? That's called faith. That's believing that the promises are yours and you have to begin to walk in that. We, we studied just a few weeks ago the lepers, right? You remember the leper story? If you were here, if you're not, it's online. love for you to go back and watch it. But the leper story, the lepers, Jesus is going back to Jerusalem, and the lepers are in this small little community, and they're off at a distance. And I really want you to get a hold of this. This has really <laughs> rocked my world this week. They're off at a distance, and they holler at Jesus and say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus looks at all ten of them and he sees that they are leopardous. And all he says to them is go show yourself to the priest. He didn't touch them. He didn't pray for them. He told them to go do kingdom things. He told them to do what God said do. And that was to present yourself to the priest. Let him examine you and see that you're healed. And Jesus said Go show yourself to the priest. And what does the scripture tell us? That they were healed as they went. As they began to move in something they didn't see, it brought healing. 
It did. You look at it. It's all over Scripture. You can't, you can't avoid this. Now, here's the other misconception and the complete paradigm shift maybe that I've had over the last years is this. John the Baptist is, you know, looking at Jesus, and it's coming time of a transfer of ministry. John the Baptist is in the wilderness. Of course, he's baptizing. Then he's calling out all the brood of vipers that are, who warned you to repent? You know, I like him. Anyway, <laughs> but that wasn't kingdom necessarily for John. That might have been a little bit of flesh. Who, who, who knows? Kind of going to get at that here in just a minute. But he looks at Jesus and he says this, you must increase and I must decrease. And I've always had this conception that if I could just make Alex decrease and God increase, then it was going to be really good. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever thought that? If I could just get rid of me, things would be good. Have you ever thought that? I've, I've taught that probably. Forgive me. Okay? Because this is the conclusion that I'm really, God's really opening my eyes to, and that's this. God loves you. He's proud of you. He created you for relationship. He didn't make a mistake with you or me. We're not mistakes. We're not something that God's ashamed of. We're the glory of God when we begin to manifest ourselves like him, right? We're the glory of God. Why do we need to decrease? Does the glory of God need to decrease? Or does it need to increase? So the glory of God in me needs to increase. How does it do that? It doesn't do that by me decreasing. It does that by me increasing in the ways and the things of God. By me being healed and transformed. So there's two places that this, that this uh, whole application, when we actually get to the Scripture, is going to begin to take place. First of all, it has to happen in you. You have to begin to let the kingdom of heaven speak the kingdom of heaven into your own life. Now, this week, what I've begun to do is understand that you know I've got to, I've got to increase, but I've got to increase in kingdom. I, I'm a co-heir. All the promises are mine. Uh, this, oh yeah, this, this, this passing over of the baton is what John did. John passes the baton to Jesus. He's saying, I must decrease, you must increase. In other words, I've done my job. My mission was to be the forerunner to the Christ. I've come and do that. Now I'm going to hand the baton to you and you carry out what your mission is. And Jesus' mission was first and foremost to be crucified for the sins of the world, to die and to break the power of sin and death over us. Brandon preached last night off out of Ezekiel and how the Spirit of the Lord came over people and, and that how they looked at this generation and said, we don't have anything compared to the glory that's going to come in the future. And that's talking about the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. The empowerment of the church to do what Jesus said to the church to do. 
And so John the Baptist hands the baton to, to Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross, so he breaks all the power of sin and death on us. And then he hands the baton to the church, and he says, Go and wait to receive power that's going to come upon you. And all the prophets in the Old Testament looked to this day, the day of the church, and said, We hold nothing compared to the power and the potential of the church in, in the latter days. So here we are. And we're living as if we're defeated. We're, we're still trying to get our mess cleaned up. Well, what's the problem with our mess? Well, here it is. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. The nutshell is we do not impart the kingdom of God into our own lives. We, we really don't believe and speak the kingdom of God into our If you've got a mess in your life, most likely it's caused by you speaking ill things over yourself. Now, I know that the power of words is huge. It's all over Scripture what you speak is important. Because you can't speak blessing and curses out of the same mouth. Scripture warns you about that. And he says not to call what God does a curse. He says don't call God's blessing a curse. But this is what we say. This is some attitudes that you, you might hear or you might have even said. I'll never amount to anything. Well, that's just the way I've always been. This is who I am. I mean, it's a generational thing. My parents, my grandparents, my mama, my daddy, my whatever. It's always been like it's always been like that in my family. I'll never get over this. If we're looking in a marriage, we'll look at our mate and maybe say that they'll never change. They'll, they'll, they're just always going to be that way. They've always been that way. They're never going to get it. Now, what's that? That's the anti, Robert Britt talked about this in the men's retreat. That's the anti-Christ spirit. That is not the kingdom of heaven. How about our boss in our workplace? We, we just complain about our work environment and the people that God has in authority over us all the time. You know, that's just, I mean, it's, it's always been that way at work. It's always going to be that way. I mean, these people I work around, they're, they're just heathen. They've got, they got this attitude, that attitude. they got this going on or that going on or whatever. And that's not why we're here. That is not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to begin to recognize where kingdom is not happening and begin to speak life into that circumstance. If you are in a financial bad place right now, you need to quit speaking ill will on your finances. And you need to begin to speak the blessing of God on them. I believe that God wants me to prosper because he said in his word. He, he's already made me prosperous by his word. And he did it at the cross. And so I'm going to speak kingdom over that. <laughs> two, uh, two days ago, I got up and I started getting up and I started saying this. Lord, your kingdom and everything today. Everything today. You know what happens when you do that? Everything that you say out of your mouth that's not kingdom, God just turns it around on you and goes, oh, that was sweet. That, that, was, that was sweet. That was, that was really good. Where'd you get that from? Is that kingdom? He just wears you out. 
I can remember one thing I said. I was talking about a situation and, and something, and I was just like, it was, it was that same thought. It's always been that way. It probably ain't never going to change. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Did you just hear yourself? <laughs> Lord, listen. Lord, Father, that is not kingdom. Your, your desire is for blessing to occur. So, Lord, I pray your blessing on that. I pray for revelation that they would begin to get a new vision. You said, God, that you take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. So I pray a heart of flesh on that particular individual right now in the name of Jesus, that they would begin to receive the kingdom of heaven upon them. They couldn't resist in the name of Jesus. Boy, it changes your whole attitude toward that individual or that situation. You're speaking the kingdom over it. And it is what God says the church's mission is. Now, what about your life or what about your thinking about yourself causes hellish things to continue to happen in your life? It's not just having this positive attitude. It's lining yourself. It's appropriating what Jesus did at the cross. And you haven't appropriated it yet. You've got to begin to appropriate the things at the cross. Now listen, if you continue to make dysfunctional decisions in your life, if you constantly say to yourself, you know, I know it's been this way, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, you really, really need to, to understand that you're never going to break free from that. You are giving a doorway to hell to come into your life and create chaos. You can't expect to make hellish decisions or allow hellish things to be maintained in a relationship or in situations and heaven come. You've got to begin to line up with heaven in everything that you do, every thought that you think, everything that you speak has to be kingdom. And this is what happens. This is what I believe happens. I'm going to back this up with scripture in just a moment. Instead of, God says, seek you first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Righteousness is right thinking. Seek first the kingdom and right thinking. And all these things will be added unto you, right? Is that not right? Well, how do you seek the kingdom? Hold on. Wait. Stop. Listen to me. This is so important. You need to change the way you're thinking. We're going to do it. Clap your hands and say, I'm changing the way I'm thinking. Heaven was appropriated at the cross. Righteousness was dealt to you at the cross. Right thinking is at the cross. You just got to appropriate it. It's already yours. It's yes and amen. His promises are already yours. They're done. You don't need to pray and ask God for the promises. You don't ask God for something he's already given you. And we do it all the time. Lord, help me be patient. Come on. Help me be patient. I gave you patience at the cross. You need to appropriate patience. It's yours. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is in you. Isn't that good? Come on. It changes the way I think. It helps me get thinking right. It was already done for you. 
What about your finances? Well, you can't keep spending money in a way contrary to Scripture and expect kingdom. When you sow something, you're going to reap it. Now, here's something that you need to really understand about kingdom. Here's what we do. When we are faced, now this is tough. This is tough. I promise you it is. I've experienced it like 17 times this week. I sure hope they get what they deserve. Lord, Lord, you see what my boss, you see what my wife, you see what my relative, you see what my enemy is doing to me. I sure hope they get what they deserve. They're, got, they're going to get what's coming to them one of these days. God's going to judge them. Is that kingdom? It's not kingdom, but we think it all the time. I can't wait. You, you, that gum heathen. I can't wait till God just waxes your butt. You know, <laughs> vengeance ain't mine. It's the Lord. I just can't wait till He takes care of you. Aren't you glad that God didn't have that feeling toward you? That's not kingdom. There's God's kingdom is this. I, my mercy triumphs over judgment. What does He want? He wants the mercy of God to be poured out on every situation. That's why I love this love life thing that we're going to. Because they're not trying to change politics. All they're trying to do is pray the kingdom into the people who own the abortion clinic. They're not praying for judgment. They're not talking about tax law they, or, or any other kind of law that's going to come in and make this business go out, of, go out of business. They want a change of heart in the ownership of that business so that they receive the mercy of God and salvation comes to their house so that the blessings of God can be poured out upon them. It's not judgment. It's mercy. And we are to appropriate the mercy of God. We are to speak it, and you can't produce or speak something that you don't experience. It's your testimony first. You've got to appropriate the kingdom of God in your life first, and then you can appropriate it somewhere else. Because what are you doing then? You're being a witness. been a witness of the glory of God. Let's look at these scriptures. This is the lesson of the fig tree. I love, I love this. I never have figured this out until now. I mean, I thought I did, but, you know, you think you do. And there's some of it that I had. I mean, it's in the footnotes. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just think you get something and you just really, you, you really, it's just. Y'all with me? Y'all read the scripture and that happens to y'all? You know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know. Some theologians may be smarter than us, but, you know, I don't think they are. They just think they are. Anyway, here we go. And when the disciples saw it, well, let's start with 18. Now, in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. 
And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered. And when the disciples saw that, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither, with, excuse me, wither away so soon? And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And, where, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Turn to Luke 17. Another story. Similarly. Verse 5, 17, 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, by the way, just keep in mind that the fig tree withered, and he said, move to that mountain. Now, what's the, what do you think a mountain is? Let me just ask you. What's a mountain? A mountain, oftentimes, we see is a hindrance, right? Mountain is something that's going to be difficult to overcome, something that you're going to have to, you know, get, get over. And he says that we could say that mountain be moved and it be moved. The mountain is anything that's contrary to kingdom. That's all the mountain is. All the mountain is adversity to the kingdom. And how, when you speak to that mountain, what you're going to speak to it is kingdom. And when you speak kingdom, it has no power to resist. Why? Because it was taken care of at the cross. I tell you the truth. You're going to be able to do these same things. You're going to be able to speak the things that aren't kingdom and lay them low. You're going to be able to move things that look immovable, but it's just kingdom. Just speaking kingdom. Praying kingdom, believing kingdom. Now, you're not praying and asking for it if you're a believer. You're, you're declaring it. That's another thing that I want you to see here in just a moment. Okay? So let's keep reading this, uh, five. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, now listen, so he just says similarly, he's just saying the same thing, this mulberry tree represents, you know, uh, things of the world, you could, you know, being able to say something to it, and, it, and it, it's going to obey you. In other words, does that sound like he's giving you authority? It sounds like he's placing this authority in your hand. But this is the important part that you really need to hear about this story and why I tied the two together. Jesus said, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, When he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, 
you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we, what was our duty. <laughs> That'll mess you up. Let me go one more. Let me do one more. Let me go ahead and do 1720. And so Jesus says this. Well, let me just talk about that real quick for a minute before we go on further. <clears throat> what he's saying is your duty is to tell the mulberry bush to be pulled up and cast into the sea. Your duty is to advance the kingdom. And don't when, when you begin to do that, that is your reward. There's no other reward for you. What's the reward is that the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. The joy of the Lord is going to come upon you. Why? Because you saw the kingdom come in your authority. Don't be looking to God, saying to God, I've been doing everything you told me to do. I've been trying to do what the word says do, and all I get is hell coming at me. Don't you think you ought to be doing something? God says, you do it. You do it. You have the authority. I pass the baton to you. You speak kingdom. Now let me just ask you something. If we as a congregation of believers quit saying negative junk that we hear the world saying, let it, if it never comes out our mouth, do you think we'd change the environment that, that surround us? Do you think our houses would change if we quit speaking crap on ourselves? Excuse me. We quit, quit speaking junk on ourselves. Would it change things? If we begin to speak kingdom on ourselves, the promises of God on us, would it not change things? It would. And, and God says this in verse 20. Now, he, he, the, the, the interesting thing is the leper story is in between this one I'm just telling you and the one we're about to read. It's interesting how the lepers got healed on the way in between this. It's really important that that's written like that. But then, and then Jesus says this. The Pharisees says, when's the kingdom of God? When's it going to come? And Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see, here it is, or see, there it is, for indeed the kingdom of God is in you. It's in you. We're to bring it forth. We're to, to make it operate. We're to speak the kingdom. Quit speaking curses on yourself. Quit speaking curses, young people, on your parents. Do not say, they've always treated me like that. My daddy or my mama's a jerk. Or they don't understand me. That, you know, whatever it might be. Quit saying that kind of thing and start praying kingdom over them. My, my mother and father, they love me. I, I pray right now and I speak right now that I would begin to see the fruit of heaven being poured out on me because I'm underneath their covering. You, you just begin to speak that and pray that. Well, what if I don't see it now? It's still the truth. It's still the promises of God. It was made yes and amen, and you're just beginning to appropriate that. And this is what the Lord said. You begin to appropriate the kingdom of heaven as you go. Seek the kingdom of heaven with your relationships, in your workplace, with your family environment, 
every way. Seek the kingdom. Begin to proclaim the kingdom and watch the kingdom of God be added unto you. You just watch it begin to move in your life where you see the reflection and the glory of God begin to manifest itself in your life, in your environment, in the environment of those all around you. You can change your workplace. You were put there to be a light in darkness, not to be a complainer and and line up with worldly gossip and negative talk. That's truth. We were there to change the atmosphere, to speak kingdom, to bring kingdom, to break the powers of darkness, to move it forward. Let me give you an example. Real quickly. It's all over scripture. Find them. You begin to look and watch and watch this this whole thing begin to take place. But the one that really I'm reminded of the most is Zechariah. When he's discouraged about rebuilding the things of God. He's discouraged. And it says everybody around him is downtrodden and downcast. In other words, the church is having a pity party. And this is what the Lord said. Listen, Zechariah. Lift up your head. The work that the Lord started in you, he is faithful to complete it. He put the plumb line in your hand, and he's going to rebuild the church with your leadership. Doesn't that sound like New Testament? New Testament says, he who began a good work in me is Faithful to complete it. What did we just sing? I'm confident in the faithfulness of God. What? That if I'll begin to speak kingdom, if I'll begin to bring the kingdom of God, to seek the kingdom of God in everything around me, in my life, that the, the work of the cross is enough to appropriate the, the, the blessing of God on the different situations that are around me. That's going to happen. But anyhow, Zerubbabel gets instruction from God. And what is the instruction? The instruction is, I want you to go hire this. I, I, got, I got this and this and this and this. All these great workers, I want you to go. No, that wasn't the instruction. The instruction wasn't to find the best contractor, to find the most skilled laborer. No, that's not the instruction. What's the instruction? Shout grace to it. Shout the power of God. Speak the kingdom over it. Great grace. Great grace over that. I speak the kingdom of God over that. I break the powers of hell over that. Those things that were discouraged, we break them, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I will not buy into the lies of the enemy who are accusing me. I will not be depressed or discouraged or anxious because my God, is a faithful God. His promises are yes and amen, and he did them at the cross. They were complete. They are mine. His promises are yes and amen. Amen? He's going to do it. What did Jericho do? It's weird. Their instruction. Well, I want you to get the best warriors, and I want you to get the longest spears. I want you to get the greatest technology. No. What are you going to do? I want you to walk around the city. What? Walk around the city and shut up. No grumbling, no complaining. If you say a word, deal's off. 
Be obedient. Do exactly as I say. No more, no less. And then on the seventh day, shout. The word of God. The kingdom of heaven. Boom. Walls fall. They still went to war, y'all. They still did the battle. But God broke down the walls. How? With the word of the Lord. Yes? Paradigm shift. Every promise in Scripture, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, everything, kingdom, has been put into an account with your name on it. It's got your name on it. It's precious to God. He died so that you could have this account. The Old Testament people, they looked at you and said, nothing we're doing is compared to the glory that can come in the future to the church. Watch what God does through the church. When's God going to do it? Well, he's given you the power. He's poured out his spirit on all flesh. He wants you to be filled to overflow in every compartment with his spirit. And then he wants you to begin to appropriate the kingdom of God in your life. And then begin to appropriate it other way. Don't be praying for the things that he's already giving you. Appropriate them. Speak them into existence. They're yours. Move into them. Declare them. Rebuke the enemy. Rebuke hell. Declare the kingdom of heaven. Because it's, it's in you. You have authority to speak it into existence. Yes? Let's change our world. Let's change our homes. Yes? stand for closing prayer. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.